Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Hey ladies, welcome to Entourage. This is Jessie and I have a very special guest with me, Pastor Serena. She is the co-pastor of the church that I attend, Victory Life Durant. Hey Serena. Hello. How's it going? Great. (laughs) Um, And I'm so excited that you're on here because this is episode two of a series on God's abundance, but specifically about His abundance in the reward of children. And um, to remind you, if you didn't listen to the episode before this, there is an event September 15th here at Entourage in Durant for all you local gals at 7 p.m. And it is at 1104 West Alabama, Durant. There's more info on the show notes. But this is a prayer shower for women who are longing to be mothers. And we are going to just shower with prayer and we're going to write down the promises of the Lord of children. So even though at Terry, we will wait on him and we'll wait for his plan. And so we're going to pray over women who uh, wish to be moms for the first time, want more children, and who are also thinking about adopting and fostering. But this series is so special uh, because Pastor Serena is going to talk about Uh, her personal travels with motherhood and what that entails. And I honestly don't even know this story, but on the sideline, on the outside looking in, there's pieces of it that are just so beautiful. And you, Pastor Serena, are a mother of five. Five. And not all of them are biological. Correct. And they all fit so well. It's just beautiful. Thank you. um, So it's you had three biological kids and adopted Two. Two. Correct. Uh-huh. Awesome. So how long have you and Pastor Zach been married? This year will be our 12th year. I had to think about it. October is our 12-year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's yeah. awesome. Can, how old were you when y'all got married? We were 19. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's crazy. It's a long time. We've grown up together. I love yeah. that. I love thinking about that, that so much of our life has been together. And, you know, there's that point to where you've been longer. You've been married longer than you haven't or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we're getting there. I, I just love that thought. That's so beautiful to me. So, yeah, 12 years. Wow, that's amazing. You'll make it to, like, you're 80. I know. Having started that young. Yeah. Goodness. That's awesome. We're going to be young grandparents. <laughs> that's our goal. So I'm excited. Yes. Maybe let's we'll count how many generations you live through. I know. Great. My grandma has great great grandkids. She is 91. Okay. And she's she's got yeah. some generations under her belt. That's so cool. beautiful. Yeah, that's really exciting. All right. Well, so you got married at 19. 19. What did kids look like from the beginning? Okay. So I I don't know that I can share my entire story without saying growing up Um, I lived overseas. If you know me, that's kind of a part. It's almost a part of my story. I forget sometimes. But in that and traveling and uh, my grandparents adopted um, my aunts, their twins. And so growing up, 
around my grandma, um, adoption was always something that was celebrated. Mm -hmm. And I knew from a young age that I would adopt. It just was in me. Um, It was something that I knew that I was called to do. And so I remember playing babies with my cousins and I always had a lot of children <laughs> even yeah. playing. Um, and my number was seven. I always thought I'd have seven. But, oh my um, gosh. I know. Now I'm like, what? I don't know. <laughs> my husband, he thought he would have two. So we compromised. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no. Um, so even at an early age, I knew adoption was something that was near and dear to my heart. Um, whenever I was about, probably about 10, I remember having a very specific dream. I knew the Lord early. I was, um, I grew up in church. I grew up, you know, really in the presence of Jesus and knowing who he was. And I would have dreams. And I just always had this dream and this thought that there would be a baby left on my front porch, even as wow. a little kid. And so that was always something in my mind, almost this vision for my life, which looking back is really interesting because it wasn't just this everyday thing, right? It was just something in my heart that when I thought about children, I always had that thought. And so fast forward, um, I knew I I really wanted to get married early. Um, That was something that was just always, I wanted to be a wife. I wanted to be a mom. And so um, I lived, I graduated high school early, lived overseas, came back home, started college at Southeastern, met my husband. Um, I didn't really date. I hadn't, didn't have like a lot of boyfriends or anything. And so I met Zach and there was just this beautiful connection um, of just feeling like this is something different. And even at that point in our lives, we were both very different people, mm-hmm. but it was just, it was deeper than just like, a, oh, I like you. There was something very spiritual, if you will, about it, Yeah, about the relationship. And so he um, was a youth, he was a youth leader for um, a Methodist church at the time. And I went to Victory. And so um, there were some differences and yeah. even oh, what yeah. that looked like, right? And um, I just, you know, we started this relationship, then we met in December of our freshman year of college, and we were engaged by that May. Wow. So it happened really quickly in the married by October. And so... So within a year of meeting each other. Within a year other, of that's meeting awesome. each other, we got married. And um, having kids wasn't anything like I knew I wanted, but it wasn't something that I thought would happen quickly. Our goal was once he, we were both in college, of course, we got married on fall break. And um, our goal was to wait until he was in a nursing program, wanted to go on to do nurse practitioner, those kind of things. And um, our goal was to wait until he had his career started, finances were in order, and then we would have our first child. I actually was at Southeastern planning to um, apply to PA school potentially in Norman. So this is a lot of a lot of story in a quick amount of time. Yeah. So as we got married, you know, within a couple of years, that was my goal was to go to PA school. He yeah. was going to be a nurse practitioner. And um, I had a dream. I had a dream. He was in school, like life is, I'm working for my parents. We went to church, but it wasn't um, like uh, we were super involved in ministry. I had a dream that my husband was teaching at Victory Life Academy. And um, I just told him, you know, I don't know what's happening, but I feel like the Lord is preparing you that you're going to be at Victory Life Academy. And he's like, what? 
at this point, he had stopped going to the Methodist church and he just felt like he was supposed to be at victory. This is even before we got married. And so that was not a me forcing thing. Yeah. That was just mm-hmm. totally the Holy Spirit. And um, so at this point, he's like, okay, I do not see that. But if that's what God has in store. So then um, he had a, he has just a remarkable testimony mm-hmm. of like, it's just incredible. And I want him to share that one day, but he one day decided to completely change his career path and just said like, something's different. The Lord just spoke to him through a patient in nursing. It was a really cool story. Then within a week of him feeling like something was changing, he got a call from Victory Life Academy from Sue Sheriff and said, Hey, have you ever been interested in teaching Bible or would you be? Wow. And so, um, all of this to say, he said, I've never thought about it, but I would love to have a conversation. So he got offered a job. Two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with our oldest, Jovi. Wow. And so God even lined that up. He had a career and mm-hmm. he didn't, you know, he finished, he got his bachelor's. He didn't finish in nursing and he went into ministry full time and he started teaching at the academy. So that was kind of our introduction to um, parenthood, I guess, wow. is just watching God even kind of orchestrate that. And so um, we we were still, I feel like young looking back. I'm like, oh my gosh, we were so young, but we were so excited. Um, we had our oldest Jovi and then um, everything kind of changed at that point because honestly, even up until that point, our marriage was at an, an interesting spot because we both wanted different things in that regard of like, I really was pursuing med school mm. and that was the focus of our life. And, and then, you know, things started shifting with even Zach going into ministry. And, um, I love the Lord, but I also really like having money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I'm like, wow, Man. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm focused on this. And that sounds so superficial, but that was, I grew up in ministry and I knew what the sacrifice of that looked like. And mm-hmm. it was kind of at that point. But then when I found out I was pregnant, I grew up in a home without my biological father. Um, and so I knew like, I didn't want my children like divorce and this sounds even looking back crazy, but divorce kind of was always on the table for me mm-hmm. because I'm like, at the end of the day, if I want something totally different than him, I can go do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, it was like, no, it just, it brought me back into clarity of really what I wanted for my life. God just softened my heart through that process. And it wasn't a lot about pursuing what I thought in terms of, um, I don't know, in career, it it became really about what was my first love Mm -hmm. and reminding me of how important motherhood was to me again. And so got pregnant with Jovi. Um, and we knew once we started having children, I didn't want them to be 15 years apart. And so, um, it was quickly just believing for our second one right before Judah, which is my second born. Um, I had a miscarriage. His story is a really miraculous story. Um, had a miscarriage. Then I conceived Judah like supernaturally after that Judah was born at that point. Um, Jovi and Judah are two years apart. And then at that point, I just really felt like it was time to start fostering or mm-hmm. looking into that. Adoption to me, again, was some 
something that I knew. Did y'all um, talk about that when you were dating in oh, your less we, than a year? <laughs> right. Um, we talked about how many children. And my mom was always reminding Zach, remember, Serena wants seven children. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, okay, okay. I don't think he ever really thought I was serious. Yeah. I mean, that is yeah. a lot of children. Mm-hmm. And then um, – you know, we started, we kept having children and then I'm like, okay, I think we should foster. And he's like, I don't know that I want to foster. And so he was such a great looking back again. I'm like, man, I put that guy through the ringer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) um, But he was such a good sport. And we, of course, were on the same page. And so when we started fostering, we didn't know what that journey would look like. It was just more of, um, let's foster and see what happens. Our goal through even fostering was adoption. And so with uh, DHS, and I don't know what the system's like totally now, but we were on the adoptive waiting list. Mm -hmm. And so we were approved foster, approved adoptive home, and we decided we would just wait it out on the adoptive list. Mm -hmm. And so when we started fostering, um, the goal was, is again, for us to just kind of wait until there was a baby that needed an adoptive home. And one of the things we prayed from the beginning was that when it was the right fit for our family, that God would basically just show our caseworker. And I specifically prayed that she would not be able to get our face out of her mind. Wow. And then, so we were waiting on the adoptive list. I found out I was pregnant. I ended up having a miscarriage that happened three times. And um, by the third time of that, we asked, you know, let's just take a break. I don't know that I want to foster. I don't know that I want to adopt. I don't even know that I can carry a baby to term. And so there was a lot of emotion in that. Um, It was a Wednesday night, a Wednesday night after we had decided to put everything on hold. Um, We, I had a dream. I had a dream that I was at the top of my stairs. We lived in the old house on Elm Street. I was at the top of my stairs and I was holding a tiny black headed little baby. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was a little girl. And it was a Wednesday night. I woke up Thursday morning and I told my sister that morning, I'm like, I have such peace. Like God showed me the promise. I'm going to have another child. However, that child ends up here, I'm going to have another baby. And so there was such peace in my heart. I think for the first time it restored my hope in the promise God had for me. And I knew at that point, I'm like, it's not a question of if it's just a question of when, and I'm going to just be thankful in the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a part of it. That maybe if we're in the waiting, um, it's easy to think about what we're waiting for, but not to be thankful for what we have in the now. Mm-hmm. And I just had to really redirect my focus of just being so thankful for the children that were in front of me mm-hmm. and being so thankful for just the promises of God that were in every day. And so to keep my heart just so focused and um, surrounded by thankfulness in that season, So fast forward two days, this is Friday, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it was just like a day and night shift from that dream. It was like this hopelessness was lifted off of my shoulders and I was so excited. And then on um, Friday, Zach was getting his haircut. I remember this very vividly. He was getting his haircut and I got a phone call from our caseworker and she, I picked up the phone unexpected. She said, Serena, I know that you're not ready for placement but I just got a call about this newborn and lit- and she said, I cannot get your face out of my mind. Wow. And I just looked at Zach and there was just such a, I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. Like all the emotion of my body was still going through the process of a miscarriage physically. Like there was so much going on. And I just looked at him and he knew 
without me having to say a word. I'm like, let me call you right back. I hung up the phone. And she told us, she said, listen, this is a newborn. Um, whenever this goes out, like there's no guarantee, mm-hmm. right? Like this is everybody wants a newborn. Mm-hmm. I just had to call you first. And so I hung up the phone. I asked Zach and he's like, um, whatever, if you're ready, I'm ready, which to me was just incredible. And um, I called her back and I said, look, I don't know that we're ready, but I think we're ready. So yes, we'll take her. And this was our first foster placement. Wow. And um, she said, okay, this could be the baby still in the hospital. This could be a process. Like we'll, we'll let you know. And I said, okay. So I went home. I left immediately. Um, Zach took the little kids to the movies and I went home and I'm like, if I have a baby coming, I have to nest. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm cleaning yeah. and I get a phone call about an hour later and it's a CPS worker. And she said, is this Serena? I'm like, yes. Who is this? And she said, I'm so-and-so from CPS and I'm on my way to your house. And I am like, what? With what? That was yeah. my response. Yeah. And she's like, I have a baby for you. I wow. like could not wrap That's my mind crazy. around it. And so crazy. I call Zach. I'm like, we're getting a baby. I'm at my house. And um, within 30 minutes, she's at the front door. Zach's back home. And I'm not kidding, Jesse. Like, she opens the car door, and it is this tiny, six pound, black headed little baby. Wow. Just like my dream. That's crazy. And um, it was this beautiful moment of taking her out and knowing, though, at the end of the day, like, I'm not her mother. Mm-hmm. I am to love her and to care from her, to care for her. And it was this emotional, even that, right? Of Then we think when we are walking or we've received the promise, there's still a journey attached mm-hmm. to that. And it was just like, wow, this is, I can't believe this is happening, but I'm so thankful again for however long I have her. And so the foster journey itself was really interesting because you are not like, you're not their parent, but mm-hmm. you're doing everything a parent would mm-hmm. and you're praying and you're believing for the health of this child. Um, but at the end of the day, like they're submitted to somebody else's authority in their life. And so that was a really interesting journey for us. Um, of course we had her biological family in and out of our house. Our goal was to bridge the best that we knew how. And, um, I think that we did what God called us to in that season. Right. Mm -hmm. And we loved her well. And then during that process, um, we had another child come into our home. She was, we fostered her. She was a brand new baby, drug exposed, had a really interesting, um, kind of, we got her right from the hospital as well. And then she ended up moving to another home and then lo and behold, so we're at three kids, right? Kenna mm-hmm. is um, just a couple months old at this point, still in the foster care system, and then um, fostering her. And then we, I'm working at the Hands of Hope Food Bank. And I want to be careful how much I share because this really is my girl's story. Oh, yeah. But of my story in the middle of it is like, it just was crazy. But I'm working at the food bank. And I'm volunteering there with all my kids and I make connection with a member of a family. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was telling me about a grandchild that she had. And, um, I just told her, I said, listen, if you ever need help babysitting, I'm down the road. Like, I know you don't know me, but I feel like I'm supposed to give you my phone number. And she said, okay, thank you. And so we're still fostering. We have, you know, three, um, my Jovi, I think when we started fostering was, Maybe three and a half, four. Wow. So my kids are all very little. They're, yes. And at that point, I'm like, what's one more, right? Like, bring on the crazy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so then um, months pass and I get a call one day from a grandma and the grandma that I gave my number to and she said, hey, I'm on my way. Do you remember me? I'm like, yes, I remember you. Um, and so she shows up and on my front porch and it's a Friday because Zach is home and have all three of the kids there. And she essentially says, uh, will you watch my grandbaby for a few months? And I'm like, Whoa. what? Um, she's in pretty bad health. And so we took her in and then wow. um, DHS got involved through that process. And so um, then we ended up being her foster parents. Wow. And so um, looking back now, I'm like, there was a baby literally left on my front porch, not in DHS care, even yeah, through that wow. grandma. And so even that was just like, I know through even dreams and just things, even that were put in me in childhood, like God was preparing my heart for each step because there is a lot then that goes into, I think when you're fostering and then when you're adopting, like there's just things that I had never experienced before in parenting, mm -hmm. behaviors and different things that came out that really made me question, like, am I doing the right thing? Did mm -hmm. I hear God in all of this? Because this is so hard. Mm -hmm. But I think what has been so beautiful is God just preparing my heart, even from a little girl of what was to come mm -hmm. and keeping that, that vision before me that I have no question that both of my kids were supposed to be here. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't believe adoption in a lot of ways is the best, but I think whenever nothing else can happen and, and, you know, reconciliation can't be brought about with families. I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to adopt my girls. And so with that, um, we took in Lennon and she stayed with us. And then lo and behold, we found out both cases because they're separate cases. We're moving to termination and then adoption. Mm, wow. And I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was all within like a couple months period of time. And so my oldest was not even five. She was like four and a half at this point. And I just remember sitting there and some of the things that the girls we were told about or some of the behaviors we we're experiencing was very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And um, I just I'm like, God, I know that you promised all this, but there's still like a process to this. And mm -hmm. this isn't always easy. And um, and so I just I sat I cried a lot and it wasn't because I felt like I missed God. It was just because I'm like this is not as easy as I expected it to be, yeah. right? Like I think even in that, like you believe for something and then you almost expect for it to just go perfectly. But I think that's the beauty in this process of even parenting is that like it doesn't always go the way we think, but the process of staying in it and allowing ourselves to feel it grows us. Oh, that's it. Uh, Paige says that um, she's realized that surrender is a vow. Yep. So before you actually live through it, you have to say yes to it first. And there's just something um, so beautiful in what you're saying about that. I, I often think even me being a worship leader, I got to help with camp this year. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a completely different example, but there is an awesome 15-year-old girl that grew up in the church and knew she was going to be on that stage at camp. And I got to be able to be the one to usher into that spot. Yep. And she realized it wasn't a means to an end, that getting on that stage was the completion. It was the beginning. Absolutely. It was the beginning of a surrender of a life of worship, and in this case, worship leading. And uh, I, it's almost like, what does it look like to count the costs, yep. to say, this is my yes, 
and now I get to do the work when the babies enter the door. Yeah. And that's it. It's like really, truly looking at your life as like, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And I think we sometimes equate that to like a, a, um, you know, a once in a every while, but it really is that day to day Mm -hmm. of I am, I'm living at a place to where I am committed to being obedient to the voice of the Lord in my life. And if that means that I have to do really difficult things because my flesh is screaming, like I want to live that way. That means that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do if my flesh is screaming. And um, I think that's what fostering taught me. And that's what um, I've learned since more about myself and my personality and not by any means is that an excuse for us to just be who we are. Mm -hmm. But in learning, like I avoid pain. I avoid anything. And I think as humans, we all do, but there's something very specific about my personality is looking for the best, Mm -hmm. finding that like silver lining, right? Nothing, avoiding emotion. Mm -hmm. And, um, I found that about myself, like the best growth point for me is having to stay in something and feel it. Yeah. And that, um, season of my life of having to look at my children every day and think like, even if you're behaving in a way that I know isn't you, but calling out identity, not just seeing behavior, it'll, it really forced me to find the truth and the understanding of what love is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, part of even that journey was, you know, as I found out we were, I was pregnant And then we finalized both adoptions. Once we finalized both adoptions, Phoenix was born in September. And so uh, I had one adoption in March, one adoption in June. Phoenix was born in September. And then so then I came home from the hospital with five, five and under. Wow. And then um, two of the girls, (laughs) it was two of the girls are four months apart. And so um, even with that, it was a lot of, uh, we were told one of our daughters was, um, she potentially would be nonverbal. She was, we were told she had a form of autism that she would not speak and um, she would not make eye contact. And as she, when she was a little baby, like some of the behaviors she was exhibiting. And I remember just sitting in my house and just this like thing rose up in me because too, when you're fostering, you're loving, but there's, I think there's a place of your heart and maybe other foster parents can identify with this, that you protect Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, like you don't know what's going to happen. And so instead of just being all on board, it sometimes feels like even if you don't mean to, you're holding back a piece of you. Mm -hmm. But then when you adopt, now you're expected to be all in. And that is also still a process because then you take this child who you've loved but it, it's just you've maybe not fully bonded with or yeah. if they're older and then bonding is this process. And so I could go on and on about this, but we were and then I have all these pregnancy hormones going on. Oh, yeah. Then I have a baby. Then I have a whole other set of hormones going on. And so um, it was just this very, I feel like, emotionally heavy season. Yeah. Um, and then we were told this about one of our daughters of, you know, she may not speak. And I just remember sitting in my house, holding my newborn, trying to potty train my two others and looking at her. And for the first time, like telling her, I'm like, you are my daughter and you will speak. And it was like this thing just like of, and I don't know how to explain it other than just like love and like motherhood for her settled into my heart. And it was like, I'm your mom. And, um, 
that was a defining moment for me in parenthood because with all of my biological children, I feel like, you know, you birth them and they hand them to you and it's like, it's very natural. Mm -hmm. Whenever adoption and foster care, it feels like the most unnatural thing in the world. And then you adopt them and you leave the courthouse and they're like this grown person that Mm -hmm. is, it's already their life is passing. But it was like when I looked at her and I knew like at this moment, I have authority in your life and we're not going there. And it was just like this thing rose up in me and I looked at her and I just told her, I'm like, I love you and you will speak. And, um, I would look at her every day, Zach and I both, and wow. we're like, you will speak. Mm-hmm. And now I just, before I walked in here, I just got a Facebook me- message from another mom in her school from yesterday. And she said, my son, um, my son received a penny from your daughter, this particular daughter. And he, um, she told him here, have a penny. And he said, thank you. And she said, oh, no, wait, here's another one. God bless you. And I just thought like how sweet, even that was a reminder to me before I walked in here of like, she's speaking. Mm -hmm. And not only is she speaking, she's brilliant. She is so smart. She's intentional. She gave me a bracelet at church. Yes. At Jubilee. Never met her. She doesn't talk to me. She just came up to me and gave me a bracelet. It is. It's from that place of like giving. And I think, you know, when you, even as a little kid, like when you know you've been loved so much mm-hmm. and you know like what that I, I believe that like what that love cost mm-hmm. it's like you know what it's worth there's a value to something that you know is cost and so all of that that's kind of our story of um, I watched both of my girls that were in foster care and one experienced extreme trauma even um, she came to us you know much older I say much older I guess anything's older than a newborn in the hospital yeah. as far as the other one goes but she was older still young in terms of foster care but um, she came to us and you know had a pretty rough start and now like she's shining and I just look at all my kids and um, I think there's something they are all such different personalities yeah I think mm-hmm. that's another thing too is um, that as parents like we have to understand that each of our kids, whether biological or, um, you know, adopted, or I don't even necessarily like this word. I grew up with a stepdad who is my dad, a step parent or whatever that looks like, Mm -hmm. like we're, we're all so different. And I think for me, I justified the differences in my children for a long time because I didn't understand. And in my mind, it was easier to say, well, maybe that's just because they've, they have different biological parents, but even from what I've understood and learning from other parents is like, you can birth a child and they'll be so different from you. You have no understanding. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just simple is like, it's just those things that make us people. Yeah. And I would say my biggest learning. And if, if you've taken away nothing other than this from this, you know, time together is that you and we as people, Like we think we know how to love, but Mm -hmm. I think there's something that begins to happen when we're forced to love somebody that we don't necessarily agree with and Mm -hmm. we don't always like, but that we have to, we have to find the Jesus in that person and identify with that in them. Because Mm -hmm. for a long time, I tried to look at my girls and find, I saw a lot of things of other people, Mm -hmm. but I never saw myself. And I didn't realize as a parent, I was looking even in my biological children for identifiers of me in there. Like I could see their grandparents and I can see their dad and it like warmed my heart. 
Well, I had the same eyes with my girls and I'm like, I don't see me. I don't see. And it, it almost kind of created a wedge yeah. where the father just very much instructed me, Serena, you have to learn how to see me in them. Yeah. And when you can identify me in there, the same parts of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me is in my children. So good. That whenever I could do that, it almost created this... Um, connection point. And since then I've learned like that has to be the case with people because yep. I'm going to encounter people every day at church or at the store that are not biologically related to me at all. And if I go about it looking for me in there, well, I'm going to miss it. But yep. if I can learn how to identify Christ in each person, whether they're behaving that way or not, yeah. calling forth identity, then I immediately have a connection point. And so I think that to me is what parenting is about, is it's looking at our children, knowing like they have the same access to everything I do through Christ. Absolutely. And if I can see them as an adult, just an immature form, I'm more patient to walk them through the process of, of helping them mature because I know that that gift and that anointing is on the inside of them. And so that is kind of my position of parenting is how do I help? How do I serve my children? How am I helpful to my children and helping them become who they've been created to be? And um, I think that's the beautiful thing. It looks different for each kid. They mm -hmm. each need something so entirely different. And when you have five, that is exhausting, Yeah, but it's worth it. And I think that's where it looks like to be, to be crucified to what I want every day looks like serving somebody else in some other manner. And that's usually my children. This is a season for me of, this is like my fourth day, I guess, of them all being in school, Wow, which is so foreign because I've awesome. been home with one to five of them for the last 10 years in this season. And I think, um, just seeing them and knowing like even in serving them, it looks different. I have more time. I've said a lot of no's in the last 10 years. Now I'm getting to say yes, but I know had I not taken the season, um, of staying home with them. I don't think I would be as excited and willing to jump into this next season of even getting to serve other people throughout the day while they're in school. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing that, um, your life hasn't just been completely consumed with your kids. Just, no. uh, you are a <laughs> pastor. Um, you have an eye for design. I get to see uh, how you dip your toes in that yes. <laughs> and, uh, your own interior designing business, would you say? Yes, I do. I have a business. I work with a, um, an architect firm and different yeah. places and builders. And so I've been, I've been running my business. Um, I have been, I still volunteer. I still, I'm in yes. school. Yes. So yes, my life has been a lot of outside of just serving my children, but I think yeah. mainly it has been my kids been if I go to meetings, my children are there. And that's why I was telling my husband, mm -hmm. it's so crazy to actually show up to a meeting and not have at least one of my children with me. Or yeah. So even that, you're correct. It hasn't just been just a soul focused on them. Um, it has been managing a lot of things in the middle of that. Um, but even in this season, I've said a lot of no's to those kind of things. Oh, yeah. You know? So yeah. And I it's think been fun. And, and and the only reason why I bring those up is because yeah definitely I would say you stay at home mom in this in this time yep. and that is definitely what you identify with, but there's just something so beautiful where the Lord um, tells you in your full time to stretch yep. to surrender to sacrifice to wake up early to stay up late mm -hmm. and and to really see uh, what what you burn for yeah. and, and what he's put inside of you. So it's, it's just so interesting that 
um, he's used this time with your children of being other mindedness, of being others minded, of being compassionate, of loving not yourself yep. and pouring into them. But then also with that time you have left, what do you do? Yeah. And there's just something brilliant about that to me. But um, going back to what you said about seeing the Jesus in people, uh, about two years ago, I started whenever my friends are pregnant to give them the same message in their card with their gift to tell them um, just in the Gospels when uh, Mary's about to have Jesus, the about to have John the Baptist, and his dad is mute because he can't believe he's going to have a kid and he was disobedient to the Lord. And his family is bickering about what they're going to name this child and it has to be after their family because they're doing what you said they were trying to identify um who they were in this child and the minute his father opened his mouth he said his name is john because god named him that all that to say there is something about just getting it right in the beginning of knowing yeah if we are all really image bearers of god how do we partner with who he is that's right in them and wouldn't that look like us if we're image bearers of yeah. God too? I love that. That's yeah. one a scripture that I've been meditating on is Isaiah 54, 13. Um, your children shall be taught by the Lord and yes. great shall be their peace mm-hmm. is one translation. And I love that it, that it says it, they're taught by the Lord. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we or you know, it's different translations. It says of the Lord. But that really just jumped out to me. I'm like, God, you teach my children. Yes. Um, there's parts of even things that I get wrong. I'm a human. I drop the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it right. I don't handle them always with mercy and with patience and these kind of things. But to know like even in that, as long as I stay connected to the source mm-hmm. and I'm living a life where Jesus is my focus, what my promise is, is mm-hmm. even in my shortcomings, like the Father is teaching my children yeah. and they're going to be people of great peace. And so I love that, that it, it, it is the, like, yeah, it's just such a beautiful promise to me of in this season, um, of just that, that guarantee that the father is good, even when I'm not, even when yeah. I think I've done it right, I probably haven't, but he's still good. Right. Oh, and, yes. and he, he's with them. And that to me was the biggest thing. And even sending my children to school this year was just that promise of they are going to be people that carry peace so well, so beautifully. Um, over my oldest daughter, I had a dream that she was wearing a dress. This was when she was very, very young. She was wearing this beautiful dress on a tiny little body. And in my dream, I remember thinking that fit, how does a dress fit her so well? Yeah. And on the back of it, it just said peace. And that was, and even since wow. then, there's been this kind of revelation to me, but I'm like, man, there's something that we carry as believers that we have access to that we don't always walk in, mm-hmm. but that we have access to walk in is that Peace can fit us like a glove. It can fit us like this beautifully tailored gown. And I think all of these things, you know, of hope and we, we are, Jesus is those things. So we have access to those things and that's who we are, but it's learning how to walk in those things. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, to just kind of tie it all up. I think that's the most challenging, beautiful parts of the process of waiting Mm -hmm. for anything Mm -hmm. is like we have to know that even in the middle of what feels like the darkest night of our soul or the most hopeless situation is that the father 
is he's there and fills it with us. Yes. Like he's he's positioned right beside me. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answers and I don't know why, but I know that he's choosing to fill everything with me, holding my hand through the process of it. And I know that no matter what, he's going to be faithful. I know that he didn't cause any miscarriage. I know that he didn't cause any of that. And even in that process, it was like, I... I just cried and I'm like, thank you, Father, for being with me through mm-hmm. this process. Thank you for filling this with me and just believing that even in the darkest nights of my soul that I choose to put on the gown of hope, to yeah. put on the gown of peace. And um, that to me has become an image that I know when I'm and I'm operating in impatience mm-hmm. or in um, selfishness, Yeah, I like literally see myself putting on a gown and it sounds so silly, but it's helped me to kind of rewire my brain and, and to get out of the emotion because our emotions are real. Mm -hmm. But just like I tell my six year old, your emotions are not the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, they're very real and you're welcome to feel, but we're not going to be controlled by it. We're going to go to the word. And, um, that's been a game changer too. It is just like, again, positioning ourselves to have a hope beyond what we feel, beyond what we see and to stay in that process with the expectation of God. I don't know. It's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when, and I'm going to be thankful on the journey of that. And, um, that's been a game changer. That's, that's, how I'm choosing to not perfectly, but every day position my life of thankfulness. I love that. Uh, we've basically coined a phrase in Entourage that may the darkest place you go is in the shadow of the Almighty. That's right. And the only way there is nothing that can be darker is if the Lord is with you. That's right. If if you if we really believe and really live by trust and faith in Him, that He is with us through things that feel heavy, Amen. through things that feel dark, that it can't be darker than dwelling under His wing. That's right. Psalm 91. Amen. And um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pastor Serena. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for the wisdom in your season. And I also want to encourage any listeners who are um, going through motherhood, going through parenthood, that there's just wisdom in it. Like Serena talked about, um, adoption and fostering is messy. We seek reconciliation. Uh, we seek families being whole, mm-hmm. but in a broken world, uh, we get to extend in compassion the way Jesus did, Absolutely. which means compassion you love uh, without getting that in return. You love so much in a place where people are helpless, mm-hmm. and that is a James one twenty seven, the purest form of religion. And I love that that story um, has shown you how how your biological kid is in the Lord's hands too. Absolutely. It is just thank you so much for sharing that. Um we will go ahead and wrap up. And I I did want you to pray, but I think I, I'd love to pray over you. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> and um we we just honor you and I thank you. Bless you. Thank you. So Father, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit that has comforted her and has been a friend for her through her life. I thank you for her dreams that were fulfilled. I thank you for dark-headed babies. <laughs> thank you for babies that were literally put on her doorstep that you told her about. And most importantly, I just thank you, Lord, for Zach and Serena's surrender. I thank you for their vows of yes, even in the messy. I thank you for your strength and for them actually dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty, which is higher than anything 
I thank you that in the midst of a storm, we have an invitation to crush to crush the serpent's head as we step into the table that you've invited us to. Bless their household. And Father, as you've given Serena such a vision for your eyes, and that when I look at her, she does look like you. She looks like you, Lord. I just pray that you bless her. You just continue to use her at hands of hope with her business. I just pray abundance over it. There's beauty that we don't even understand that you're just ready to lavish over her. You're just going to lavish and pour out. Her eye will be cultivated in such a way that people not only feel invited and loved, but they feel inspired and they feel your presence. I just pray that extension over her business. And Father, I just pray over the women listening that they hear the word that you wanted them to hear through us. We are your vessels and we love you and we give you the glory and we give you the honor and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 